Welcome to the sermon podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. So my name is Cheryl. I'm a, I work as an associate pastor at Turning Leaf Church of the Nazarene underneath the leadership of Pastor Jeff Phyllis. I am there as the pastor of prayer. I'm gonna take a few moments to introduce myself and my family and who I am, just so you all know. A few of you I've met, a few of you I grew up with. Um, Amy, your pastor's wife, I held as a baby at our church as we were growing up together. Yes, I am that much older than her. But, um, so who I am. Um, I am married to a wonderful man, his name is TJ. We've been married almost 16 years next month. I'm super excited about that. Um, he works here in Surprise as a manager to a garage door company, a local family owned one. He is wonderful at fixing things with his hands. He is, it's great to have around the house because he fi can fix almost anything. That's just who he is. Um, he's great at fixing problems, just making things work. Um, his dad <laughs> grew up in Indiana and he jerry-rigs them more than anything, but TJ will actually fix them. <laughs> so it's kind of fun, right? That's, a, that's my family. Uh, we are blessed with two wonderful kids. Our oldest is 13, that's Timothy. He's almost as tall as me. He is in eighth grade. He's my brainiac. He loves math and science and programming robots in his spare time. That is who he is, that's what he loves to do. Carly is our youngest. She is 10 and in fifth grade now, um, and she also is projected to be over six feet tall when she gets full grown, so she's pretty tall herself. Um, she is my artsy person. She's my social person. She loves doing dance. She's not great at it because she's tall and skinny like me and doesn't always know where all of her limbs are at, but she loves doing it. And she gets all the artsy stuff um, from her dad's side of the family. My mother-in-law is super artsy too. I am not. Um, but that's who she is, and she is my social person. She loves being around people, which is why they are not here this morning. Um, she wanted to go to church with her friends, <laughs> where she goes every Sunday, and so they are all over there this morning. Um, but she, that's her. She's my social. We did not do well during COVID and social distancing. That was so not her forte. Um, but we survived, and I'm glad we're through it. We live in a multi-generational home. There is beautiful things in living in a multi-generational home. That means that my in-laws live in our house with us. I grew up in a multi-generational home. I usually had my great-grandfather living with us or a great-aunt or somebody else. There is value in having the older generations speak truth into the younger generations. That whole saying that it takes a village to raise a child is so true, so true. And it's why I love bringing my kids to church so that there's a village to help me raise my kids. Um, but I do, and I love my in-laws, so it's great that we all live together. It doesn't bother me one bit. As I work at Nazarene, as I volunteer at the Nazarene Church as the pastor of prayer at Turning Leaf, um, that means that I get to coordinate their 24 hours of prayer, which happens before two of their main events. I heard you all were stepping into a good prayer event coming up, yes. So if you haven't done this, I highly encourage you to talk to Amy about it. I'm super excited about your week of prayer and your prayer walking that's happening. Her and I have had mild discussions about them this past week, and it's super, there's, it's important. There's importance in the corporate body of believers praying together. 
I also get to participate in the night of worships that we do at Turning Leaf, um, which is wonderful, having those worship times. I love the worship of anything. The service this morning was beautiful. Thank you, Pastor Cindy, for ushering us into the throne room of God through worship this morning. So as I was praying about what to talk about this morning, um, I felt like God was telling me to preach on one of the practices of the church. I'm like, okay, God, I can do that. I was raised in the church. My parents took me to church every minute they had, um, which is why Amy and I grew up together. I was always there. So I, growing up in the church, often questioned, well, why do we do that? And what does that mean? It's probably some of where my son gets it from. He asked the same question, what's that for? And what does that do? Why do we do certain things that we do within the church? And so as I was praying about it, I'm like, okay, God, I can preach on prayer. I've read a ton of books about it. It's my official title within the, within the Turning Leaf Church. I'm like, I can totally preach on prayer. That'll be fine. And he's like, um, I don't know. That's not quite what I want you to preach on. I'm like, okay, well, I can preach on why do we raise our hands during worship? It's an act that some people do. Why do we kneel at the altars? Why do we even have altars? What's the point of those? And God's like, mm, no, I don't think any of those are quite... What I want you to preach about either. He's like, I really want you to preach about anointing. I'm like, huh, why? <laughs> I don't want to preach about anointing. Honestly, that's what I responded. God and I have these conversations quite often, actually. I'm really stubborn, and I'm very glad he's super persistent. Um, so I'm like, um, okay, anointing. I don't know anything about anointing. At least I don't feel like I know enough about anointing to preach on it. And so he's like, but that's what I want you to preach on. And as I mentioned that I was preaching this morning to my ladies' Bible study, one of the ladies, as she was praying, she prayed for God's anointing over the message. And she used the word anointing, and I hadn't told her I was preaching or that I felt God was telling me to preach on anointing. And it was God's confirmation that yes, this is really what I want you to preach on. So here we go. We're going to dive in. I've learned a lot about it in the last few weeks as I've been researching. Um, and so hopefully you will learn something about it also. Let's start with what the word anoint actually means. It's a verb. It means to smear or rub with oil. Um, the more religious definition says to make sacred or to dedicate to the service of God. I'm like, okay, those are good definitions. And then it sold me the Hebrew term. Here's my disclaimer. I went to a Nazarene university, but I graduated with a bachelor's of science, not religion. I'm a nurse by trade. I'm a maternity nurse. I love being a maternity nurse. I love the fact that I get to experience the miracles of God's creative powers every day. We're gonna keep going, guys, because it really doesn't bother me, okay? <laughs> I love multi-generational stuff, remember? This is all good. I does not have to be quiet in my church services either. So I love experiencing the power of God's creative powers. In the birth experience, I, I've done it for 20 years. It doesn't get old to me to help a mom have a baby. It is fantastic. But that being said, graduating with a bachelor's of science in nursing from a Nazarene university means I did not take Hebrew or Greek, just FYI. 
which is fine. I don't feel like I missed out on anything, honestly. I'm not sad about that. Um, but as I was doing research, and it tells me your Hebrew word for this is, I'm going to try to pronounce it. The good thing is, I'm pretty sure nobody else in the room, maybe Cody might know, if I pronounce it wrong. But that would be about it. Okay? Okay. So, the Hebrew term for anointed is Mashiach, right? Later became the specific term for Messiah, referring to Jesus. In the book of Daniel, Jesus is referred to as the anointed one. Um, throughout scripture, we refer, and if you look at the names of Christ, we refer to Jesus as the anointed one. So anointing has happened throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, it talks about anointing specific people or specific items to be set apart for God's use, to be used specifically for his ministry, to be used specifically for, for worship. In Exodus chapter 30, Moses anointed Aaron and all of his sons to be priests um, for the Lord, to be set apart specifically to bring his word to the people. The kings were also anointed, the kings of Israel. In the book of 1 Samuel, the prophet Samuel anointed Saul and then later anointed David to be kings of the people of Israel. There were other people anointed throughout the Old Testament, but those are the ones that we mostly know. Those are the more well-known ones. But other kings and priests were also anointed throughout the Old Testament. Physical object, objects were also anointed. So in Exodus chapter 30, if you ever want an interesting read, it is very specific in there as to how Moses is supposed to make anointing oil, what's supposed to be used, the different spices that are supposed to be in it. And then God gives him instructions to anoint the tent of meetings and all of the objects that are within it. So as the Israelites made the lampstands and they made the bowls and they made... Um, the altars and the other objects that were supposed to be used in worship, Moses then anointed them with oil so that they were set apart. They were separate. It was something specific to be used in worship. They weren't the daily used things. Most of the time today, we don't do much anointing of objects. We dedicate new church buildings, um, new churches, when they're to be set apart for God's use. We ask God to do the same thing. We ask him to fill those places, to use them for his kingdom, and to grow his kingdom. And we're acknowledging their use for God's work. That's the point of dedicating something or anointing it, as they did in the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, so if you turn in your Bible sources to Luke chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 18 to 19. After Jesus was tempted in the desert, he went to the synagogue in Nazareth and read the words from Isaiah. So Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Remember, Jesus is talking here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus stated he was anointed to preach good news to the poor. He was reading from Isaiah, but he was talking about himself in that prophecy. 
Later, the first chapter of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, so we're looking at Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts is one of my favorite books to read. It is so much fun to read how the disciples performed miracles, healed people, the things that they were able to accomplish with the Holy Spirit, being able to talk in a language they didn't know beforehand and yet have people understand. It's, it's fun. It's just fun to read the book of Acts in the first church. But this baptism of the Holy Spirit or this anointing of the Holy Spirit is available for God's people today just like it was for the disciples in the first church. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then the anointed one, Jesus, lives in your heart, and he would invite you to pray for an anointing, for a filling, for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The church term, I'm not usually huge on church terms, but there's some importance in knowing what they are or hearing them every once in a while. So the church term for this is sanctification. It is the admitting that I need help every day to become more and more like Christ. Dr. Les Parrott once when he was preaching and I had written it down in my Bible, described the Holy Spirit as an abiding presence, not a quick fix. An abiding presence. He is always with us when we invite him to be. He's not a quick fix. He doesn't just show up and then disappear. Sanctification is a process of becoming more and more like Christ. Each day with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can accomplish because we've got strong will, because we're determined, because we can pull ourselves up from the bootstraps and just do it. It's something that we need the Holy Spirit's help with. But like the disciples in the upper room, we have the same access to the Holy Spirit. He desires to live in us, to help us change our world for Jesus. When you look through the, when you look through the miracles that Jesus did, after every miracle it said, and more people were brought to Christ, and more people believed in God, and more people, that is the point of us living on earth, that's also the point of the Holy Spirit living in and through us, is to change our world for Jesus. So, the vision of Restoration Church. Do you guys know your vision statement? Ooh, that's a lot to ask, huh? It is to bring the restorative message of Christ's love to all people. It's a beautiful vision statement. I love your vision statement. At least the first part of it. I love all of it, but that's just the beginning. There's more to it. I'm sure we do not all do a great job, or at least we don't all feel like we do a great job at showing Christ to all people all the time. Right? No, just me. I don't even feel like I do a great job at being Christ to my kids all the time. <laughs> that might be the most challenging world in which I live. Um, but the Holy Spirit can help us with that. This is why he is an abiding presence, not a quick fix. I know I'm not perfect, and I will never be perfect while I walk here on earth. 
but I strive to be more and more like Christ each and every day. And with the help of the power of the Holy Spirit, I can accomplish that and I can get closer to that. So we all have areas in our lives that we don't quite get right, right? Things, decisions that we make that after the fact we think, well, that wasn't the best choice. Or things that, say, that we say that then we think, maybe I should not have said that at all. Or things that we don't say that then later we're like, ah, I totally should have said something in that situation. None of us are perfect. None of us get it quite right all the time. And yet the Holy Spirit is around to help us with that on a day-to-day -day basis as we are asked for his anointing and for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I say none of us are perfect, and yet I'm pretty sure toddlers think that they are. Right? They will pretty much tell you that they're perfect. The other people in that world, in that realm at times, are junior high boys. And I can say that because I'm raising one. And he does really well, but sometimes you just, yeah. They're challenging. They're challenging. I definitely need more of the Holy Spirit and more of God dealing with him at times. And he's a good kid, and I still think that. Scripture also tells us to anoint for healing. In James chapter 5, it's in the New Testament towards the end, James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, it says, Is any one of you sick? Sick. He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So some scholars, as I was doing some research on this passage about anointing for healing, some scholars say that when James said to use oil to anoint the sick, he said so because the fact that oil is one of the best known ancient medicines. So he used it as a medicinal term. Others say that the oil was an aid to faith. I like the terminology. An aid to faith, a symbol of God's spirit and healing abilities being placed on the person being prayed for. I lean more towards the second definition of this, the second school of thought. For James wrote, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I believe the oil is a symbol of God's spirit or an aid to faith because I know God can heal people, not only physically, but also emotionally, mentally, and from any addictions that they might be struggling with. I'm a nurse by trade. Like I mentioned, I've seen the incredible healing powers of medicine, both Eastern medicine and Western medicine, through medications themselves, through the new technology and the abilities that God has given people. I know that God can heal, heal through the skills that he's blessed doctors with. I also know that he doesn't need a doctor to heal. 
If he chooses to heal in a miraculous way, he has every right and ability to do so. I also believe that sometimes he chooses not to heal. And I don't know why. Some people are healed and others are not. I don't know why that happens or why that pain is, occurs in our world, other than the fact that we do live in a broken world and crummy things happen in a crummy world. But I don't think it has anything to do with the person's faith or lack thereof when God chooses not to heal. So when I pray for healing for someone, I pray with the belief that God can heal and that he ultimately wins in the end. Did you hear me? Do you know that? God wins in the end. Above all else, he sees the big picture. He knows everything that's going on when I only see a really small part of it that's right in front of me and sometimes most of the time, I don't even see that piece of it very clearly. So being able to pray for healing for someone and being anointed by the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit helps to guide those prayers and gives directions in those situations when we pray for healing. All right, so now what? I pray that you've not only smarter, that you've not only learned something from this sermon, but that your life is also changed. It's my desire that everyone comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, now is as good a time as any. There's no reason to wait. Myself or Pastor Cody would love to pray with you and talk to you about that decision or the rededication of your life to Christ. Maybe you've accepted Christ as your Savior, but you haven't been sanctified yet. That big church term again. You haven't asked the Holy Spirit to fill you and to help you live your day-to-day life to become more and more like Christ. So now's a great time to do that as well. Um, There's no special prayer or words to be saved or to be sanctified. It is a cry of your heart. It comes from your soul, from the core of your being, from your innermost self, to a God who always understands no matter what words are used or what words are not even spoken at all. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to do something special for him, to be set apart, to be used for his purpose. So I encourage you to take a step of faith, to be courageous in the moment, and agree to follow his calling on your life this morning. Or maybe you desire to be anointed for healing. There's no better time than the present for you to surrender that to God and place it in his hands for him to take care of. So I think we're gonna have some background music playing. And if you want to, you're welcome to come forward. Cody's gonna stand, Pastor Cody's gonna stand on that side and I'm gonna stand over here by this altar. And we will anoint you for any of these. I would invite you to come forward and to bring a friend, bring a family member. There is power in corporate prayer. There is accountability in that prayer also. So feel free 
to come with somebody. And as always, your altars are open. And we're just gonna take a few moments to bask in the presence of the Holy Spirit and to allow him to work. And if you want to come forward, you are welcome to. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at rnaschurch or our website, rnaz.church.